from Relay FM, this is The Pen Addict, episode 530. My name is Bradley Dowdy, and I'm joined by someone who only two weeks ago I shared dinner with in person, but had to wait until they were halfway around the world again to have on the podcast. From Tokyo Station Pens and the Tokyo Inklings podcast, welcome, CY. How's it going? Hey, Bradley Dowdy. Uh, I'm, I'm very <laughs> glad that that name is sticking. I mean, I know that you were born with that name, but, uh, you know... <laughs> I think it's great. I am glad I am glad you picked up on that. I did that intro just for you. I figured you would appreciate it. So CY is one of the few people on the the list of approvals for calling me Bradley Dowdy. Um for some reason <laughs> you latched onto that really quickly. I don't know what happened. You just like out of the blue, you're like, wait, is your real name Brad or is it something else? And then from then on, Bradley Dowdy it was. I think I you know what happened? So so we got off the car, you got off the car, and then you know, the shaking hand. <laughs> And then I saw you, I was like, Bradley Dowdy, the man himself. <laughs> uh, and then I asked like a few hours later, and I said, by the way, is Brad your like full name? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then you're like, no, it's actually Bradley. It's like, all right, that, that, yep. that is who you are then. Yeah, that is it. And uh, for the rest of the weekend, uh, I was I was Bradley Dowdy. Now for listeners, it is with no E. So it's a very uh, uh, a more unique Bradley than the normal one. So it's B-R-A-D-L-Y. Well, it, it's it's like uh, it's like kind of an what is it? Adjective to describe Brad mm. Bradley. <laughs> He's very Bradley. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Oh, that's terrible. I wish you wouldn't have said that. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> we're going to have we're going to have some Bradley uh, conversations today. This is going to be a great episode. This has been a long time coming, right? Like uh, you know, were you were you jealous that I had Jacob on the show first? Uh, no, because I was already on the friend of the show. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so yeah. we had talked before. We had talked previously, but I was like, oh, I got to I got to make sure like see why it's like, hey, I'm going to have Jacob on. Uh for those who don't know, Jacob uh is CY's uh Tokyo Inklings podcast partner, which we're going to talk about uh throughout the right. show. Um and I had uh Jacob fill in um you know, back in the summertime or gosh, I can't even remember when, several months ago. And I was like, I need to email CY or text CY like right after it's like, hey, I'm gonna have you on too. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to be on your list. <laughs> no, no worries, no worries. I've been on podcasts where he hasn't been on, so mm-hmm, mm-hmm. don't tell anybody. Shh, we won't tell him. He won't he doesn't listen to this. He won't he doesn't listen to our show, so we won't <laughs> we won't do that. Yeah. All right. So one of the things you and I need to knock out at the start of this is kind of give everyone who is not familiar with you and your work a little bit of background so they know when we go off the deep end later (laughs) in this show (laughs) why all of this is happening. So one of the things that I need to know that I don't personally know is kind of your stationary background. When did you become just kind of, you know, a stationary nerd and junkie and started to get into this stuff? You know, was it uh, an, an early years in in school CY did it come a little bit later in life so give me your stationary background sure so um I'll just do my my intro hello Mm -hmm. my name is CY you can find me on my website at tokyostationpens.com on Instagram at tokyostationpens and on Twitter at tokyostationmnh and um I I think we might have had a conversation about this before but let's just get it on Mm -hmm. air Mm -hmm. um I think it's very difficult uh you know, me having grown up in Asia. So I was born in Taiwan, but I was raised in Hong Kong. And um, it's it's difficult to really live a life without stationary here. 
which is something that I hadn't realized until I actually moved to the U.S. But, um, you know, the the kind of premium stationary, I guess, like a Pilot G2 or, you know, your Sarasas or your, or your Muji, um, all of those are pretty readily available and, and pretty common in everybody's pen cases. So I wouldn't say that I was particularly a you know stationary enthusiast i mean i like stationary but then you know mm. so did everybody else but I, I i remember that when we were younger um we used to have these mechanical pen cases um and these mechanical pen cases were well and of course they're all from japan Usually on the outside, they had some, you know, cartoon character or, or what have you. And then there are these buttons. And then inside the pen case, there are different rigid compartments. So there's one for mm. your, um, your eraser, your um, pencils, your pens, uh, leads, blah, 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 blah. They, they even have like um, pencil sharpeners. And then you press the button and those compartments kind of shoot out because there's a spring. Mm. And so we used to use these... Uh, pencil cases or pen cases, we'd, uh, we'd shoot out these compartments, but instead we'd put our eraser in front of the <laughs> compartments so we'd you know, try to hit each other with, with the erasers. <laughs> so that was, um, that was fun. Yeah, so that was probably my first really distinct, oh, you know, I'm using my, my tools uh, in a way that probably was not intended, but, but everybody did it. Yeah, exactly. So like we when we talked about before, we we you and I and like you mentioned, we actually talked on the I have a pen addict members podcast called Friend of the Show. Um, but like we talked about like stationary where you grew up just is. It's like part mm-hmm. of daily life. Like in the US, it's like, okay, we have McDonald's. It's just part of everyone assumes <laughs> like everyone has a McDonald's. It's like everyone you, you don't realize that, oh, other people don't have a McDonald's around the corner or something right. like that. It's it's just part of your life. So when did it become, you know, later in life like a real thing? Like as you're yeah. starting to get as you're starting to like share things online, write about pens. Um and I, I want to talk about yeah. like the the order of events as far as sure. like, blogging, podcasting, um, Instagram, and all yeah. that. When did that change happen, and, and why did it happen? You know, um, let me, I know this is not the question you asked, but let me backtrack mm-hmm. just a little bit onto, you know, how I got into, let's say, fountain pens specifically, mm-hmm. because I think that's that's quite important to the overall story. Okay. So, you know, as a kid growing up, you know, watching these movies, you know, especially these, uh, you know, period dramas, Everybody's using these quill pens, these fountain pens, and I'm like, "Wow, that's that's so cool!" And um, so I always, I, I thought I wanted to have a fountain pen. And at at that time, I was maybe about like you know, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, and I really wanted a Lamy Safari. And you've had um, Patrick Ng on the show before, mm-hmm. uh, and I think he works at City Super, right, as the stationary right. merchandiser. So exactly, um, I have these distinct memories of going to City Super, seeing mm. these massive Lamy displays, and the you know they have the the pens kind of diagonally uh, placed into into those displays. And I said, "Wow, I really want a Lamy Safari, but I don't know if I can pay ten bucks for for a pen." <laughs> so one year, I was I was um, sent off to handwriting camp. Uh, we have those here. So okay, uh, <laughs> that's, a, that's a whole discussion right there. Yeah, so I was sent off to this handwriting camp in in China, and turns out in China 
people learn how to handwrite with fountain pens. And I remember hating these pens because none mm. of them would fill. Like they would write, but they wouldn't fill. And they're all those bladder squeeze ones. Yeah. But yeah, so, so they weren't very good. Kind of forgot about it for a while. And then when I moved to France for university in, in Europe, as you're aware, um, many countries in Europe still require the use of fountain pens in uh, especially grade school. And so one of my Swiss friends had uh, had a fountain pen and I said, uh, well, may I try using it? And she said, no. <laughs> uh, and, and I, you know, there's this myth about uh, if you let somebody use your fountain pen, they're going to, um, the fountain pen is going to you know, change its properties and it's going to, you know, go out of alignment because your fountain pen has uh, kind of learned to be with you, right? So, so, so she gave me this, this myth and I said, okay, fine. Um, so I went to the supermarket, spent about five euros and bought myself a pack of three Pilot Petites. And then I tried them and I was like, wow, they're, they're incredible. So smooth. I can write so quickly with them. Uh, you know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you know, invest in a good pen. So, so I went to the pen store and, um, and then I got a Parker Sonnet mm -hmm. and then, you know, I brought it back home, went to class with it, started using this Parker Sonnet and it was terrible. Fibers <laughs> got, got stuck in, in the tines. It was, you know, wouldn't write hard starting dry. I don't know how you can hard start and dry. Um, <laughs> and so like, like a, a normal person, what I did was, okay, um, let me go back and buy another one, just, just in case, <laughs> you know, just in case it's a user error. So I went back, bought another one, and um, lo and behold, it was uh, it was rubbish. Mm -hmm. So uh, eventually, I, uh, I I bought a few more pens. Uh, I think I bought a kit pen at one point, and then that summer, I worked an internship at a law firm, and using the money that I earned at the law firm, I bought myself a, an absolutely crazy deal of a Mont Blanc. So I bought a Mont Blanc 145, mm -hmm. and I bought it in the already discontinued burgundy color. And then I thought to myself, well, uh, you know, I'm at the apex of writing instruments now. I have a Mont Blanc. So I guess that's it. My journey's come to an end. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and it did. It did for... for um, for almost seven years, I, I used that one pen exclusively, and I used one ink exclusively too. I used lavender purple exclusively. Uh, well, that that's a pretty good choice. It, it is, it is, it is. Uh, and you know the burgundy and the and the and the the purple. I thought that went mm -hmm. pretty well. And and that ink at that time was dark enough that if you use it on um, kind of like copy paper or just regular paper, it looked almost like it was black. So mm -hmm. I did. I never got any, you know, comments about it from my teacher, or um, you know, I would use this to, you know, sign those immigration forms <laughs> at, wow. at the airport. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um. So so I used that for for exclusively for seven years, um, and then I moved to Japan. I, I bought a Naginata Togi, um, and because you could at that time just pick them up uh, <laughs> off the ground, um. I went to this Marazin pen fair. I didn't know what it was at the time, but I went there. Um, I bought some inks. I bought this pen. It's like $200 or something. Um, mm. And I was like, this is too thick for me. Back to the Mont Blanc I go. Um, 
And that was, yeah, that was, that was pretty much my fountain pen adventure. And then what happened is about four or five years ago, I think almost five years ago, I went on a uh, Christmas vacation, winter vacation uh, with my girlfriend. And we went to Kyoto and I discovered this thing called Yahoo Auctions. <laughs> oh no <laughs> have you heard of yahoo auctions before uh only through this certain podcast that i listen to <laughs> yes so so yahoo auctions is kind of like our version of ebay and um and then i was scrolling through these yahoo auctions and i realized i said wow i can buy a Mont Blanc for 50 dollars you know it's just 50 dollars. why not so so i i bought a Bought a Mont Blanc there. Um, it was a Mont Blanc Generations, and um, it arrived, and the section was cracked. And so I said, "No problem. It's only fifty bucks. I'll just go buy another one and swap out the parts because I'm a genius." <laughs> <laughs> so I bought like three more, and all of the sections were cracked in the exact same spot. Uh-huh. But then I, I had already been hooked. You know, uh, I had already mm. been um, enticed into this world of secondhand um, fountain pens. And then now to more directly answer your question, um, when I was about to leave my, I, I used to work at a company um, that dealt deeply within the social media space. And I was about to move from this company to a more traditional uh, retail company. And I thought to myself, you know what, I'd really like to keep up to date with social media trends um i'd really like to you know become a practitioner and really just in case i want to move back to this kind of a job i would be able to say something right about being able to keep up so mm-hmm. so that's when i started tokyo station pens gotcha and i think it was um i want to say the october of 2018 Okay. I didn't okay. post anything, but I, I bought the domain. Uh, I started up my WordPress, and I said, "You know what? I'm going to do this." So it's interesting getting a little bit more detail about, you know, kind of how you got started in fountain pen. So I, I have two questions from what you were just saying. Number one, do you still have that original Mont Blanc? Um, I actually sold it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I sold it to our good friend <laughs> Kelly's mother. <laughs> okay. <laughs> nice. Well, hey, it's going to a good home. That's that's that Mumbla has a has a funny story actually. Um mm-hmm. I lost it once. Um I, I went to graduate <laughs> school in the UK. Uh so very close to to Mike. Um mm-hmm. and uh and for some reason I was possessed to bring my Montblanc everywhere and uh and I brought it to a nightclub. <laughs> <laughs> of course you did. Yeah. That's what you do, right? Yeah, just you know, in my blazer pocket. Mm-hmm. And and then, you know, the next day it wasn't there anymore, but it has my name inscribed into the, into the clip. Mm-hmm. So I went to the Mont Blanc store and I said, Hey, if, uh, somebody comes into the shop with, uh, with a pen with my name on the clip, you know, that's a stolen pen. Mm-hmm. And they said, Oh no, we're not going to help you. If somebody comes in, we're just going to swap out the clip for them. And <laughs> so I was very, very mad, but because my name was on the clip, some kind soul picked it up, you know, they, they found me on Facebook and they actually gave it back to me. Wow. That's unreal. Yeah. 
and um and so, and then afterwards you know like five years later I, I sold it to to Kelly's mom and <laughs> she's kept the the inscription on the clip absolutely yeah. absolutely that's that's great story. all right so the second thing I picked mm-hmm. up on which probably leads us directly into like literally the entire rest of this show sure is I'm wondering as you started like finding Yahoo auctions and you're in I guess even back from the Parker sonnet you were interested in, it sounds like you were interested in like how these things work. What can I do to make them better? How can I manipulate this? How can I repair this? Like most people, I would say, you know, probably 95% of people are going to get that crack section and go like, oh man, this is bad. And I'm going to send it back. Like I'm, I don't have any interest in trying to figure this out, why this keeps happening. Um, you ordered three more all with the same problem. And you're like, huh, this is interesting. How can I get around this? Um, is is that accurate and kind of how you see things maybe a little bit differently than like say myself in the fountain pen world and why you kind of do what you do now? So I would say that um, more than how oh, this is interesting, I thought, well, I've already spent 50 bucks. What's another 50? <laughs> so it was a sunk cost fallacy. Yeah, you fit right in around here. <laughs> um, but But... To go into the repairs and, and and the modification, that stuff, actually, I have to credit uh, Aziza. I didn't tell her this when I when I saw her. But the mm-hmm. reason why I got into nib grinding in the first place is because I read Aziza's blog. And at the time, uh, another reason why I felt that I had been finished with my um, fountain pen journey is that most uh, factory settings come only with you know, fine, medium, broad. If you're lucky, you mm-hmm. get like a... Yeah, like, I don't know, like a medium fine or something, but, you know, what's the point of that? Mm-hmm. Um, excuse me, I, I retract that. Medium fines are great. <laughs> I was about to go, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Slander. Yeah, but, but you know, they, they're essentially just in between fines and, and mediums. Yeah, standard um, stuff. Yeah, and, and then I, I saw her article on music nibs, and she had this vintage Waterman music nib, which was, which was flexible. And I thought to myself, oh, I really want one of those. So I go on eBay, I look up uh, I look up the relevant keywords, I found one. It's like $350. I said, $350? I don't want to spend that much on just the nib. You know what? Because I, you know, have these genius ideas, I'm gonna make one. <laughs> and then I thought to myself, well, how am I gonna make one? Uh, so I bought a bunch of pilot music nibs and um, started grinding away at them. Well, three thousand dollars later, I, I managed to make <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I managed to make a flexible three tine music nib, which is actually um, my logo. A lot of people think it's a light bulb. Um, oh. yeah, but it's actually a three tine nib, and um, and it also serves as a location pin. But anyway, uh, so so yeah, I. I yeah, you know, several thousand dollars later, I've been, um, I've been, you know, again, sunk cost fallacy. I've got to do something with this, with all this machinery. Mm-hmm. So, so then I decided to explore, you know, making other nibs. And I, I've said this on a, I think on a video with um, Inky Rocks. Shout out to Inky Rocks, who has a Shout fantastic, out. yeah, fantastic um, YouTube. Adding but, that to the show notes right yep. now. Uh, but I said on, on one of the videos, why I'm interested in fountain pens is because I view fountain pens as um, really like a machine 
if you think about it, we've actually regressed in writing instrument technology.、Mm-hmm. Um, like, I think you know, gel pens, ballpoint pens, that they're all great, but essentially they are some form of ink, and then you. You know, push the ball, and because the ball rotates, you got ink kind of you know stuck、mm-hmm. on the ball, and and then you're you're writing right. But fountain pens actually use you know capillary action. You have to think about、um, ink delivery. You have、mm-hmm. mechanisms, and in a way, I I I think that it's really almost like a celebration of human ingenuity, and it's it's really a reflection of. This phrase that I learned when I was in school,、uh, "man the maker,"、uh, you know how we've we've created and invented things to to help us、uh, achieve our goals in life, and in a way, a fountain pen is is like an over engineered piece of that, right? So so that's what、yeah. I、uh, grew to find interesting,、um, and then yeah, as you said, you know, that's when I went, huh? That's that's interesting, and、um, and yeah, the rest is I guess history. So, were you trying to? Why were you trying to solve these problems? Like, why? Why did you want to buy all these music nibs? Were you trying to find a better writing experience for yourself? Is it that simple in the beginning? I just thought it looked cool. Okay. And and, and it wasn't available.、Uh, mm-hmm. That it's not available was was a challenge. You know, like、mm-hmm. I had to do it because nobody is doing it. Okay. Well, that leads me perfectly into one of what I want to talk about next. But、uh, you you mentioned my podcast host Mike just a minute ago, so I'm going to throw it over to Mike real quick for an ad read, and、uh, we're going to pick this right back up in just a second. This episode of the Pen Addicts brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one platform for building your brand and growing your business online. You're able to stand out with a beautiful website, engage with your audience, and sell anything. Products, services, even the content that you create, Squarespace has you covered. With Squarespace, you'll be able to use insights to grow your business. If once you've got your website all set up, you sit there and think to yourself, "Hey, where are all these visitors coming from? What's generating my sales? Which channels are most effective?" All of this can be analyzed in Squarespace because then, once you have the data, you're able to improve your website and build a marketing strategy based on your top keywords or most popular products and content. Talking about marketing, what if you want to stand out in people's inboxes of a Squarespace email campaign? You can encourage your visitors to sign up as email subscribers and then start them on the journey to becoming loyal customers. Super easy to just start with an email template. You customize it by adding your brand ingredients like site colors and logo. And then use the built-in analytics there to measure the impact of every send. And you can even get stuck in with Squarespace's SEO tools and use their integrated suite of features and useful guides to maximize prominence among search results. When it comes to building a website of any kind, I always start at Squarespace. They make it so easy to get started, so easy to customize, and going from idea to having something published is faster than anywhere else, and I love that. Go to squarespace.com/penaddict and sign up for a free trial today with no credit card required. Then, when you're ready to launch, use the offer code penaddict and you'll save ten percent off your first purchase of a website or domain. That is squarespace.com/penaddict, and then when you sign up, use the offer code penaddict to get ten percent off your first purchase. And show your support for the show. Our thanks to Squarespace for the continued support of this show and all of Relay FM. All right, so this idea of the things not existing, or you know, it's rare, or 
it's different and unique seems to be a theme with what you do now. So mm-hmm. following you kind of since the beginning, you know, I've just kind of watched your transformation. Yeah, I, I love following everything that you do because I learned you. so much, right? That's that's one of my biggest things about um, you. And, and I'll, I'll tell you a secret about your podcast later in the show if it, sure. if it comes up um, that, I, that I get from it. But, you know, following you and your transformation, like from the jump, it, the information was different than like someone who consumes content in the stationary space. Um, you know, it was different content. And you have kind of like, if we jump into like the present day, you've kind of made a name for yourself for doing things very, very differently. It comes from grinds or stacking nibs. So Mm -hmm. tell me about how, you know, from, Hey, let's figure out these, these pilot music nibs and, and make this, you know, wild flexi music nib to like really the, the experimentation that you have going on now. Yeah. So, um, I'm just gonna, skip ahead like a year mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i'd been um I, I i managed to make this flexible music nib um it really i guess launched quote unquote my mm-hmm. career quote unquote um <laughs> because there were there are a few people uh who saw what i did and and, and believed in me and I'm very grateful for for these people. If you're listening to this, you know who you are. But yeah, they they, they believed in me. They they asked me to make um, some nibs for them, uh, and they were happy enough to to share that on on their feeds. And then slowly, I got um, inquiries. And at that time, I hadn't intended to really um, do this as a, I suppose, anything beyond uh, a hobby mm-hmm. so you know, i was really quite taken aback i had like 80 followers on on instagram back then <laughs> and um yeah I, I i got these requests and again going back to this yahoo auctions um i found these pocket pens these japanese pocket pens for like dirt cheap you know bring them in um polish them up and then I would sell them on on Reddit for for a little bit of a profit, not too much, you know. I'm just you know, making back uh, on really shipping. But then the the act of selling those pens, um, you know, that that was was another uh, hook for me. Mm-hmm. But then again, I, I got into to the nibs because first I thought it looked cool. Second, nobody else is doing it. And then I I found. Um, Ralph Reyes's uh, mm-hmm. profile, and um, and for those of you who don't know, at that time this was around you know between 2016 I want to say to 2019 ish. Sailor stopped making Naginata Togi nibs, or or maybe they didn't stop making it, but they were not for sale. Right, you couldn't get them anywhere, right. even in Japan. And I, I saw this kid um, who was really making really cool stuff uh, whether you like the aesthetics or not that that's separate but you know he was making over overlays on the nib he's making <laughs> monster nibs you know five layer nibs mm-hmm. and i was like wow that's that's incredible that that's so cool um and you couldn't get any of these because he worked on 
you know, a different schedule from from everybody else. And, you know, you really, really, you just had to be lucky to get one. And in the 2019 um, Tokyo International Pen Show, Ralph came to uh, came to Japan because I think he had met Nagahara-san, might have been DC, and then you know, he was inspired to come to, to Japan. Mm-hmm. And I decided, you know what, I'm going to grab hold of him and and I'm not going to let him go for the entire weekend. <laughs> um, he he didn't know this, of course, but um, <laughs> but so so I was very fortunate to to meet Ralph. We had a great time. Was you know helping him translate, and he was showing um, different people his nibs. And at that time, I thought of making them, but I also had no idea where to start. So I asked Ralph. I said, "Hey, Ralph, you know, what are you using to to make these?" He says, oh, I'm just using a, a, a laser welder. And I looked one of those up. And yeah, that, that cost 20, 20 grand um, <laughs> starting. So I was like, okay, that's not what I'm going to use. Um, so I bought this. Uh, I bought this Amazon. I, I bought a welder uh, on Amazon. It's like this yellow made in China one. And it's, um, it's a pulse arc welder. And... I had several nibs retipped to have the you know extra large tipping, and then just left it there for a year. So remember, I I met Ralph in 2019. I bought the stuff. I was so scared to even start. <laughs> I didn't do anything until January of 2021. Wow! Because I was just I was worried about messing up, um, and you know I. I'd really like to succeed. <laughs> I really like to be able to create things. So failure, failure is scary. It's it's scary to mm-hmm. me. But then one day I came back home this cold January afternoon, and I think my my girlfriend was you know she had to do her nails or like you know go to the hair salon or something. So I had the entire afternoon to myself, and I said, you know what? I'm just going to do it. And in that single moment of courage, I created my first stack nib on a Montblot 146, um, for which Jacob says I'm crazy because I should have practiced <laughs> on 100 steel nibs first. That was literally going to be my comment, but yes, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then I wrote the article, um, The Anatomy of a Stack Nib. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I wrote that article and I write the articles that I do on my website because it's it's not really documented anywhere uh you know right. especially not in English but even in Japanese this is really not documented who's making them what's the process of making them and I just thought for all the mythology around stack nibs we know surprisingly so little about them um, so why not take my experience? Maybe this will benefit somebody else. Maybe somebody else is going to read my article and think to themselves, hey, I'm inspired to to make these. Just like how when I saw Ralph's website, mm-hmm. I said, hey, maybe one day I want to I want to do that, too. Yeah, that's that that's pretty cool. And as we go through this show, we're going to talk about how, you know, things have progressed and, and the things that you know, are interesting to you now. Um, 
before we do that, I want to I want to rewind just a little bit because we we've mentioned Jacob and we've mentioned the podcast before. How did that come about and that you had started writing and making things? How did you and Jacob meet and decide to um to to have a podcast? Yeah, so the, um I I met Jacob I want to say in uh March, uh February or March of 2019. And uh you know, we, we met up and we said, "Hey, there's this pen addict guy. He's uh, he's always talking about some some stuff on the podcast. But this pen addict guy's always late. <laughs> uh, uh, we need he's this late, stuff. He's late and wrong a lot. And we need this stuff like three months ago. Why is he talking about it now? <laughs> <laughs> no, um, but in in all seriousness, uh, you know, we we listened to the pen addict, um, and we thought." Hey, there's so much information that's locked here, either um, either in Japan or in Japanese, um, and there's maybe there's an appetite for for people who who don't want to do that deep, intensive research because anytime you wanna you wanna um, find out anything about anything in in Japan, you're committed to like hours and hours and hours of research, and I'm sure. Bradley Dowdy, for your blog, you know, to, to mm-hmm. research like a high-tech C, you probably spend mm-hmm. like, you know, 10 hours just trying to find where the information is, not even talking mm-hmm. about translating it, digesting it, and then, you know, formatting into your own words. Right. And and information shouldn't, especially in, well, what are we now, 21st century, this shouldn't be be locked up like this. And so we decided, hey, maybe it's it would be fun uh, for us to, to start a podcast to just specifically discuss stationary in Asia, but more specifically stationary in Japan, because I think Japan is really the holy land for for a lot of stationary enthusiasts. But I think a lot of people just don't really know what it's like here. Um, how are people using their stationery here that's that's the question we get most um what's the difference between you know the japanese stationery scene and the western stationery scene and so so we we talked about it for like you know a year and it was always like yeah 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 we should start the podcast uh maybe when we have time and in in march right before everything shut down i said you know what that's enough i'm buying <laughs> Uh, I, I'm looking it up, buying mics, and and we're gonna do it. So you know, just one weekend in in March, we sat down, we we recorded our first episode, um, and uh, and yeah, we we published it. It was uh, I think we might have done two takes, um, but I it was it was really fun. Um, we didn't get everything perfect. The audio was probably really bad, but it was a start, and and we actually got listeners from the very very beginning um and we did weekly episodes for one month and then we switched to our current cadence which is which is bi-weekly mm-hmm. um the the podcast has been one of the the more rewarding things that uh that i've done because it we always get the feedback um you know thank you for talking about this on the podcast without this we would never have known and mm-hmm. that's really the the initial purpose of uh of our podcast and funny thing actually i'm um, going back to meeting jacob 
I actually found him on Reddit. He had posted his uh, his um, kind of event recap to to the Pelican Hubs and to Wagner, and I was always very worried. I think when you don't know anybody in the community, you're worried about um, you know showing up, and you know what if nobody likes you? You know you have this mm-hmm. imposter syndrome, um, or at least I did. And yeah. so, and it, you know you have to you know, remember that everybody here speaks Japanese, and as a non-Japanese person, it was it was very uh, intimidating. So I sent a message. I was like, "Hey, you know, how is it like there? Um, are people nice?" And then when I met him, you know, six months later, I told my girlfriend, I said, that's a celebrity. He, he takes really good photos. <laughs> <laughs> so confession time. Uh, mm-hmm. the, the first part isn't a confession. The first part is that it, y'all make my favorite podcast. And it's the way you present information. Like I can tell, like y'all are really trying to answer questions and provide information and go in depth on topics that you you explain correctly, like we, you know, necessarily in, in the rest of the world don't necessarily have either the access or the ability to digest or to, to even locate. Um, so I appreciate that very much. And the, the confession is I normally run about two or three episodes behind. I don't listen to it currently, but I to you know, like when the episodes drop, I don't rush to listen to it. And I do that because I want, I don't want to say speak about the same topics that you do. <laughs> so I want to have this this gap like out of respect as like I don't want to feel like I'm just regurgitating y'all talk about so much interesting stuff that I want to talk about constantly, but I don't want to feel like I'm just regurgitating what you said as because you're going to do it better. <laughs> no, so no. that that's my secret confession is I'm usually about 3 episodes behind because I don't want to. Uh, I don't want to jump in <laughs> and uh, kind of distract from the awesome conversations y'all have going on. So I just appreciate what y'all do very, very much, and uh, it, it shows the work that y'all put into it Thank and you. the way you know the the information's uh, presented and detailed, and do it from like an education perspective. Like, hey, we're going to talk about this, you know, topic and why you know, these decisions were made on this topic. And then, you know, also have the the great color of, hey, let's go to the pen store and tell everyone how great the Japanese stationery scene is, which believe me, we're going to get into that as we go through this show. Well, you know, um, the, the structure of how we present our podcast, I think, uh, obviously, I think we enjoy what we put out. I think we put out a good product. I think it's also sometimes a little bit difficult for uh, because there's so much information, it's actually more difficult to digest. And a feedback that we get quite a lot is, you know, we have listeners tell us all the time, they say, I had to listen to the episode three times in order to catch everything. <laughs> and then, you know, I'll go back and listen. I'll, I'll hear something that I didn't hear the, on the first time. So, so that happens quite often, actually. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. And uh, so I, I just implore y'all to, to keep doing what you're doing. And, and shout out to Jacob. Uh, y'all y'all have a great chemistry together. I love uh, how y'all go back and forth. And kind of like Mike and I, not to like compare the two, but like it's like you will just agree to disagree sometimes, right? So you see things differently. And it's good to have that perspective um, from, from different topics, you know, even if it's like, hey, I don't like this ink color, <laughs> you know, or hey, I don't like this paper. Hint, hint. You, you know, Brad, uh, I can't stop people from having bad taste. 
<laughs> you try though. You're you're putting in the work, <laughs> which that's what I want to talk about next is spreading the your your good taste around the world, specifically in the US recently. Mm-hmm. So we're gonna talk about the crazy trip that you were on recently. I have so many questions. We're going to take a break real quick, uh, hear from our buddy Mike, and then we'll be right back. Hey, Mike. This episode of The Pen Addict is brought to you by SaneBox. Inbox Zero is a thing of the past. We're all so inundated with email these days that it's no longer about responding to everything that you get. It's only about responding to the important things. That's what you want to care about, the messages that really matter. And SaneBox gets your email in order by working on top of and alongside your existing setup. You don't need to create a new email account. You don't need to download a new app. SaneBox just makes your existing setup even better. If you've ever met someone who's used SaneBox, someone like me, you're going to know that the initial SaneBox purge can be really powerful. This is where it takes all of your email and puts it in the places that it should be. And then after that initial clean cleanup, SaneBox will then allow uh, you to manage your daily emails more efficiently from there. I've been using SaneBox for years and I would never go back. Just having some of my most annoying email taken out of my inbox and put somewhere else, and not even just the annoying stuff, just the stuff that isn't the most important. SaneBox does a great job. You can also train it, which I really like. If you take an email and move it to one of the SaneBox created folders that you have set up, it will then learn from that and be able to process your future email even better. I like that it has both things. It does some of it itself, but it also learns from my habits. SaneBox has some really cool features like Same Black Hole. You drag messages to this folder that SaneBox sets up for you, and you're never going to hear from that sender ever again. This is way better than unsubscribing. You're, this is going to make sure that your unwanted emails go, like, you get rid of them, right? You get rid of them. That's what you want. You want them gone. So I also have Same Reminders. This can ping you if somebody hasn't replied to your email by a certain date. You can also snooze emails to SaneBox, which is a great way to defer or de-emphasize some less urgent stuff. Samebox works with any email client or phone anywhere that you check your email. It really is the very best in email filtering and sorting. We have a 600 reviews on Trustpilot and glowing reviews from TechCrunch, Forbes, the New York Times, and emailers everywhere. You can rest assured that you will fall in love with your email again. See how Samebox can magically remove distractions from your inbox with a free two-week trial. Visit samebox.com slash penaddict today to start your free trial and get a $25 credit. That's S-A-N-E-B-O-X dot com slash penaddict. Our thanks to Samebox for the support of this show and Relay FM. So... You just spent how many weeks in the U.S.? I spent five weeks in the U.S. Five weeks in the U.S. So I want to know how this idea of coming over to the U.S. kind of percolated up. Were you thinking, hey, I want to go to a pen show and, you know, see what's up and, you know, meet some people that, you know, I talked to online did that turn into like, was it like a single event thing that turned into this really broad, wide ranging trip, which we'll get into all the details. So tell mm-hmm. me the the pre-planning of your recent trip to the US, what was the process sure. behind that? So first I knew I had to do the San Francisco Pen Show. Um, okay. So that was definitely something that I needed to see um, because we get a lot of guests in, or we used to get guests uh, in Japan, and a lot of them were from uh, California. So I wanted to hit up the San Francisco Pen Show. Mm-hmm. My parents live in DC, so doing the DC Pen Show is no brainer. 
uh-huh. a problem. They are, you know, several weeks apart. <laughs> so, and several time zones apart. Yeah. So, uh, ostensibly, I went back to visit my family, um, which, you know, very conveniently, they're only about 20 minutes by car from the DC venue. And originally, it was only these two shows. Uh, and I'll, I'll maybe if we have time, I'll talk a little bit about my future plans for for the shows. But oh, definitely. Um, originally, it was just these two shows, and then I reached out to Yoseka Stationery uh, because I, I love Yoseka Stationery. I think I think they they are vision meets execution, mm-hmm. and um, and I said, hey, I'm going to come to the U.S. Uh, would you like to do a collaboration. Um, maybe I can come to your store and do a, like a grinding event, you know, get the customers in the store. And you know, when customers are in the store, they're gonna, they're gonna buy stuff. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so we had several um, Zoom meetings, Google Meets, whatever it was, video chats. And, um, and we got to know each other a little bit more. We got to share a little bit about um, our respective visions for, for stationery, for, for the industry. And um, and we locked in some dates. And originally, I was only going to do one day there, but mm. we eventually extended to two. Um, and then I I was connected to Drum Ghouls through Kenro, mm-hmm. and um, I won't say more about that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I was connected to to Drum Ghouls through Kenro, and Drum Ghouls said. I mean, they said, hey, um, Ariel, Toasty Treat, uh, she's talked to us about you before. Would you like to come down and do a nip grinding event? I looked at my calendar. I was like, oh, well, I guess all my weekends are booked up now. <laughs> um, and, and that's really how the four events came to be, um, really, you know, came together. That's yeah, that's cool. So it was, it was, it started out as like, Hey, family DC, and I really need to get to San Francisco. And you kind of filled in the gaps uh, yep. in between there. So let's, let's start with DC. And can you give me an idea of what that show was like in relation to, you know, say like tips in Japan, which is one of the larger stationary um, mm-hmm. you know, shows, shows mm-hmm. in the world. Um, I don't know that you necessarily need to like directly compare and contrast in them, but what's like a U.S. show sure. experience like versus what you've experienced in Japan? Sure. So um, the DC show opens on Thursday. Uh, I didn't know the table assignments until Thursday. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and apparently Thursday is a free day anyway, so you can set up shop wherever you like. Uh, yeah. But, not a lot of people are there, and especially a lot of vendors don't show on Thursday. So, so I thought, you know, I'm just going to take my table and just just have my stuff there. Uh, so I did, and then on Friday, Friday morning, uh, I was informed that my table is now no longer my table. <laughs> I get to get to my new table. I'm uh, just staying quiet over here. Yeah, by the by the way, it's fine. Um, so I get to my my new table. And it's a corner table. It's a better table. Doesn't have electricity. <laughs> okay. And you know, on Friday night, and you know, this is this is my bad. The show 
supposedly, ostensibly closes at 5.30. I was working until like, no, it closes at 5. Yeah. Mm. And I was working until like 6. They turned off my electricity at 5.30. <laughs> In contrast, uh, the Tokyo International Pen Show, um, great show. They sent me a handbook, a guidebook uh, to the show. You know, where do you send your stuff? How do you bring it up the elevators? You know, where should you be at what time? Blah, 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 blah. 70 pages of guidebook. <laughs> um, so I read this guidebook. And then they call a vendor meeting. Uh, and I said, well, it's a vendor meeting, so it must be important. So two-hour vendor meeting. I joined. Turns out we're just reading the guidebook line by line. <laughs> <laughs> so I think... A happy medium is is where really uh, we'd like to be, but so that's on the organization front. On the vendor front, mm-hmm. um, a lot of individual vendors, a lot of um, individual stuff makers uh, in the U.S., not just D.C. but in San Francisco as well. In Japan, mostly retailers. So you're going to okay. mostly see stuff that is available for sale. Um, very few vintage tables, especially now with with COVID and with the travel restrictions, we don't have the interesting stuff from overseas. Okay, yeah. In in DC, obviously very vintage heavy. Um, a lot of Europeans. I heard mm-hmm. French. I heard Italian. I heard Turk uh, Turkish. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, definitely. I think more of a healthy mix in the US. But the last thing, which I think is important, is its community. The US doesn't really have that many stores, doesn't have, you know, that many great exclusives. You know, the scene is not super interesting. But despite that, there's a strong um, communal aspect to to the hobby. There's, um, you know, a lot of uh, back and forth in terms of... Um, banter, discussion, um, you know, people telling other people about, you know, cool things. And you really have kind of like a friend group, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Whereas in Japan, um, it's really not like that. And, you know, was that Dromgulls? And people apparently just go into Dromgulls on like Saturdays, stay there for six or seven hours and then just go home. You'd never have this in in Japan because the stores and and the customers they don't they haven't created this this community aspect of it, and so what you have in the U.S. is this healthy community who who enjoy each other and who are not afraid to talk to each other. In Japan, it's a bit different. This pen show after dark thing um, doesn't really exist in Japan, mm-hmm. especially with the with the COVID thing now. Uh, the Tokyo International Pen Show is is divided into blocks. So you buy um, a ticket for your block. So you might get Friday morning. And then you don't get to go in for the rest of the show because you, you've you been assigned your block Friday morning. So you can buy extra tickets. But yeah, you, you get into the, the block for which your ticket is assigned. And then after that, you just go home because your friends might not be there at the same time. Um, you might say hi to a vendor that you really like. But definitely it's a lot. Um, the decibel is lower. Mm-hmm. 
and, and there's not as much of a of a communal aspect. People don't customers don't necessarily want to be friends with each other. Uh, they really much rather kind of to be left alone, and they just want to buy what they like. Yeah, they're there just to to hit up some of their retailers or some of their yep. favorite retailers, and you know, take care of their their uh, their business, uh, their yeah. their dealings, and then you know, outside of their window, they're they're gone. That's interesting. I I didn't realize that from from that perspective. But I I wanna I wanna um still commend uh, the organizing committee because to create an event like this in Japan is, is I think, not so easy. Um, sure. They're, they're, I think it's difficult to get people who want to exhibit to buy tables. A table in, in Tokyo at the Tokyo International Show is very expensive, by the way. It's about $500. Oh, okay. But but the, the facility is super modern. Um, mm-hmm. But the, the show is very young. It's It's only been around for about four iterations it's going to be the fifth iteration next month and um and remember for three of these we had no foreign vendors so i really think when the border opens up we have foreign vendors foreign visitors um we need that energy here and i think that's why it's so good for the japanese vendors to go over to the u.s pen shows because they get to observe the energy um that that the u.s pen shows have and uh, Takayuki-san from Plotter, when he came back, he did an Instagram Live. He said, hey, maybe we should just book out a hotel and, and have an event for our customers. I think it would be, he, huh. said, he said, I, yeah, I think it would be really fun. So I think you know, that energy is really important. So I, I'm very, uh, I'm looking forward to to when foreign visitors can come back to Japan. Yeah, I mean, I Mike and I have obviously been wanting to to mm-hmm. make that trip for years now and for obvious reasons haven't been able to. But uh, I mean, it is like, on the tip of our tongues just all the time like yes. we can't wait to to actually do this and and get it done and yep. just experience that what about just for um just for listeners of our show who may have been to DC and San Francisco what is the like the scope and size just com- comparatively uh to something like tips you know mm-hmm. as far as like the scale of the show uh how do they compare yeah. i'd say San Francisco and and tips are probably comparable in terms okay. of like vendor number, mm-hmm. uh, maybe San Francisco is a bit more. Uh, DC is was you know wild, it was wild, <laughs> like three hundred fifty something tables. Yeah, uh, yeah. What can I say? It was wild. Right, 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 right. <laughs> but but I think um, if I'm not mistaken, in 2018, 2019, we actually had you know, three thousand some uh, attendees. From across yes. the world, from what I've seen of of been following tips, and you can obviously speak on it better better than I can. The growth of the show has been impressive, and from the jump, they've had the uh, customers coming through yep. that a lot of shows here can't necessarily like uh, contend with, right? Like the, yeah. as far as just like raw gate numbers, it's it's a yep. it's a big event for uh, stationary fans in, in Japan. It's it's a it's a small event for stationary fans in Japan because the the larger one, uh, Bungo Joshi has like like ten thousand people. Wow, wow, yeah, that's um. So how do I how do I present this question? What is I guess different about say the Japanese retailers' expectations of a pin show? Say 
a like you're mentioning at tips so it'll be mostly like retailers right and there's a lot of different types of retailers in japan are they mostly bringing what they would normally sell in the stores are they making show special stuff because i know you and jacob often talk about mm-hmm. how you know making trips to like you know buy this the certain special things say a special ink creation that's only available there is that yep. a really big deal kind of across the board at uh, at a show like tips yeah, so I, I would say that ink is probably the best seller um, at any kind of tips because uh, unlike in the U.S., every retailer and their mothers have five exclusive inks. Mm. And the only way that you normally would be able to get these inks is if you actually go to these places. And a lot of times these places can be very, very, very remote. So when you have an event like tips, when everybody comes together... You can buy everything at once. Just, you know, imagine you're you're somebody living in, in Tokyo, you're a stationary lover, but you might not have the expenses to go over, you know, down to the very south, go over to Nagasaki, um, mm-hmm. just just to buy the sink, or you know, go up to there's um there's a place in uh, Hokkaido called Ishidabungu. In order to get there, you have to take a plane to uh, Hakodate, which is very far from Sapporo, the capital of Hokkaido. Uh, so you fly up to Hakodate, and then you have to take a train, and then you have to take a bus <laughs> to, to go there. And the train leaves every half an hour, right? So mm. um, when when these people are are here at the show, that's going to draw crowds. Gotcha. And and also a lot of the retailers have their own exclusives, and not a lot of retailers in the United States have their own exclusives. So I think that's why the retail scene. Uh, can do so well at shows, even though they're only bringing things that they normally sell at their uh, stores anyway. However, there are, I want to say, two particular, um, maybe three, 2.5 um, vendors that always bring something specifically for the show. Uh, I would say the first one is Bunga Box. Um, they have a show exclusive, and that's always very, very popular and always very well done. Mm-hmm. Eboya usually has... Um, I wouldn't call them maybe show exclusives, but they're like uh, first sneak peeks, right? So you can buy them at the at the show, and at a later date, you can buy them on, on their website. So those two, um, I think, are really good. And then Toyoka Craft. Toyoka Craft also, um, they had like pen show exclusives last year, but it's mostly like the lining cover, and they do mm-hmm. not sell out on Friday morning. <laughs> So that was one of my big takeaways from the San Francisco Pen Show is I, I was so happy they were there. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I was so glad to see the reception. I mean, and they, they're well received anytime they show up, but uh, to see it actually in person, to actually see that happen live, uh, <laughs> it was kind yep. of something to behold for me. That was one of my bigger takeaways from from the show itself. So I want to get your takeaways, like your main takeaways here in a second, but I wanted to ask you something about community between um, the U.S. markets and and the Japanese markets. So you mentioned like the shows here in the U.S. have a more community feel, but outside of the shows in Japan, it seems like everyone who's in like the stationary community, everyone's pretty dialed into like what stores doing what, what events are going on. How does is that a a valid observation? Like the the online stationary community and the 
the kind of the the store intertwining and sharing of information between you know what's going on in in the stationary community online in Japan like a, a pretty mm. pretty big deal easy to follow easy to track everyone kind of kind of uh, keeping everybody in the loop yeah I think because there are so many product releases that mm. uh, that there's a lot of excitement going on just around the retailers mm-hmm. uh, which is great but uh, the community in the US is more like oh this person online I saw that they have this product and then you might meet them at a pen show and be like oh I've been you know following you for a long time mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and then you might talk to somebody else they say oh yeah I saw it on this person's feed uh, in Japan it's it's less like that it would more be like oh I saw this on this retailer's website and I think it has to do with one um it's it's just a different culture right there there's more of a reserved culture um so it's not as uh let's say outgoing more mm-hmm, inward looking mm-hmm. but then uh also I, I guess um related to it is that a lot of people like to be very anonymous online sure um especially in in japan so you know you have people and, and twitter is actually where most of the japanese community lives but they might not know each other's faces they they don't know each other's names and i just came back from uh from a wagner event and um i I met a bunch of high school students and and i love it and you know they were making these grinding machines and i I got to talk with one of these uh these students later I, i followed them on on twitter and uh i saw that they were commenting on these other twitter users um tweets saying oh so you're the person that did this <laughs> so you know the community i think is still very uh nascent that's an sat word mm-hmm. <laughs> I, i'm down i'm down with that one yes <laughs> yeah still very nascent but but what i was very encouraged at especially this last wagner that i went to is um the number of young people the number of students and these people were so willing to experiment so I think give it five to 10 years, you know, TIPS is going to be able to grow that community. However, I think you really need um, the stores also to facilitate, to create spaces for that. Mm-hmm. Japan doesn't have the space for you to just hang out, right? So, so you've got to be deliberate about designing those spaces. Whereas in the US, I think it's a little bit easier because if there's a store... It might be the only store in, you know, the state. <laughs> and then and then you, you all just have to go there. Right. Right. And that's why like you and I talk about this and and I've said it to 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 the drum ghouls, uh, to to Larry and Michael. Like you walk into the store on a Saturday and there's just like a cooler there with like drinks in for just, you know for people just coming to hang out because they know people are going to be there all day. So they're just like making it easy for you to just come hang out there and just have this whole communal aspect about it. And and it's great to see. It's great to see. All right. So what was, what was the big highlights for you aside from hanging out with me in San Francisco? So that's number one Mm -hmm. uh, was your main highlight. So it's like starting at like number two highlights uh, of your trip. uh, What were your, your main takeaways from I guess like five weeks in the U.S. So I went to to Disneyland in oh, Anaheim. Nice. Mm-hmm. I, I customized a lightsaber, <laughs> and now I am a nib Sith. 
Yes. Yes. <laughs> that was one of my favorite pictures um, that I took at the show was just this completely accidental. Like that was literally, we're closing, we're trying to go to dinner on Sunday <laughs> night. Yeah, let me, this is a little bit behind the scenes and everyone is ticked at CY <laughs> because he he's just working. Like he's working, you know, like CY's like taking care of customers. CY's doing his job, right? And, and April's like, I have to fly out. We're going to dinner. Like, come on everybody. And then CY breaks out the lightsaber <laughs> right there at the end i just happened to be there to catch it it was great yeah, she's like i'm taking the uber now <laughs> yeah she left she left us <laughs> shout out to shout out to april she made all the right decisions so yeah it was a good move, move april, to leave us behind april was was great she, she planned everything um mm -hmm. i'm pretty sure you know the world runs just because april is in existence this is factually correct. Uh, what yep. a just whirlwind of awesomeness uh, she is. So That's yeah. Right. Um, what other what other big takeaways? Just broadly broadly speaking, uh, just meet, meeting listeners. Actually, um, mm -hmm. it's humbling. It, it's it's incredible. It's it's my first time really meeting listeners uh, mm -hmm. in in real life. Uh, or at least so many of them and yeah it's it's just you know what um kind of related to this this, this person's not a listener but um first let me, let me talk about the listeners so so listeners just recognizing me by voice i think that's that's incredible and it makes me realize that you know what we're what we're doing the product that we're putting out and i call it product we don't make any money on it you know the 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 thing that we're we're producing um, brings joy to people's lives. That that's a I don't think there is something more meaningful that you can do with your life. Um, so so that was uh, that was huge. And and a specific episode that I want to talk about was that Dromgles. Um and this ninety one year old man handed me his Lamy two thousand. He said, um, my late wife bought this for me as a present back in 62. Wow. And uh, and it writes too broad, sent it to Lamy. They said they can't get it any thinner and I can't use it. Would you be able to help me out? So I did a size reduction on this uh, Lamy 2000. Not a difficult thing to do, but boy, was I clenching my butt. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's a yeah. different level, right? And and you know when I handed it back to him, um, he wrote with it, it, and he said, you know, he said thank you. Now I I have a memento to to remember my wife by, and I, I think in in this industry in this business we are not we are not changing the world, you know, and like we're not going to bring world peace. We're not you know solving world hunger, but but we're changing somebody's world. Um, somebody's going to mm -hmm. have a better day just because they're listening to this podcast. Um, you know, listening to us drone on for 70 minutes is, uh, <laughs> you know, it's, it's going to hopefully uh, make somebody's bad day a good one. So I think really the realization that we're actually doing good for people um, yeah, that's that's very humbling. 
it definitely hits home when you're able to get out into a different area, mm-hmm. right? Than your than you know the walls of your home or apartment yeah. or the town that you live in, and to to get out, it really really kind of hits home a little bit when you're you're able to do that. So good, I'm glad. Like that's like the biggest takeaway experience um, is that you do. How, you know, have fun what you're doing, and it does make up put smiles on other people's pay- yeah. faces. And at the end of the day, like that's the most important thing, and that's what we try to represent. And I know that's what you try to represent as well. And it's just really cool to now you've got that story, right? Like, yeah. and and now that person has their story too, and uh, it's just really cool to be part of that. So, really, really great. All right, I realized one of the things uh, We're not gonna preparing for this show. We're, we're going to throw it to a break here in a second. <laughs> okay, okay. I think I'm looking at the time and I'm like, oh. We're, we're like, yeah, do you have like, you know, a few more minutes to, to no, talk about some have, personal stuff? I have unlimited time. Yeah, because I realize that I, <laughs> uh, for all I know about you and all the time I've spent with you, I want to know more about what CY likes to sure. use himself. So before that, we're going to toss it over. Last break of the show, promise promise but we're going we're going long we knew we were going long so we spread this out so let me take a break real quick and uh we'll be right back this episode of the pen addict is brought to you by trade coffee every day is precious and we should all make the most of every single one of them they shouldn't start with mediocre grocery store coffee you deserve to start your day with the best coffee you can make at home from trade coffee trade coffee is a coffee subscription service unlike anything you've tried before because they partner with top independent roasters to freshly roast and send the best coffees in the country direct to your home on your preferred schedule. Your trade experience can be as simple or sophisticated as you want. If you know what you're looking for already, you can quickly select from curated coffee collections by roast, flavor profile, brewing method, and more. And their team of experts do all of the work, taste testing hundreds of coffees from across the U.S. every single month to curate over 450 exceptional coffees that make the cut. Or if you want something curated just for you, then take a minute and complete Trey's coffee questionnaire. You'll be expertly matched with your perfect coffee and a fresh bag of beans will be on its way. The coffee I get from Trade is so good, I can't believe how much I love what they picked for me and just how easy it was for them to find what I want based on their simple questions. And their team have actually worked with me to create my own custom coffee collection, which is great for me because I'm incredibly picky about my coffee. And now you can benefit from that too. I love the diversity in roasters that I've been treated to with Trade Coffee and that's been uh, selected in this collection as well. Trade have collected together for you a great selection that matches the flavors that I enjoy in coffee. And there is some super tasty stuff in here. I want you to go experience it for yourself. So if you like me and want your coffee to taste just right every day, go check out my collection at Trade. But if what I got isn't up your alley, don't worry. Trade will have whatever it is you want. You can shop the most popular coffees by roast or flavor profile, or you can take their coffee quiz and get expertly matched with coffees that you're going to love. Trade is the easiest way to get the very best tasting coffee delivered fresh just when you need it. And you've got nothing to lose but because Trade guarantees you will love their first bag. And if not, they'll work with you to replace it for free. So if you want to support small businesses and brew the best cup of coffee you've ever made at home, it's time to try Trade Coffee. Right now, Trade is offering our listeners a total of $30 off your first order plus free shipping at drinktrade.com slash penaddict. That's drinktrade.com slash penaddict for $30 off to the best coffees in the U.S. Our thanks to Trade Coffee for their support of this show and Relay FM. All right, CY, I want to know what your favorite pen is. Uh... uh... 
That's a hard <laughs> one. Um, Isn't it? It's the hardest question you can probably be asked. Well, well, the answer is it depends. And what it depends on is what have I bought the most recently? <laughs> <laughs> um, other than that, I, I think... So it's, let me let me reframe yeah. it for you. What do you use a pen for when you're not working on a pen, right? What if what are you what kind of pens are you reaching for when you're not like actively, you know, manipulating them? <laughs> I like right now one of my absolute favorite pens and and this pen gave me a real different experience. Um it's a 149 uh, mm. adorned with maquillé by a studio in Wajma. And it has a super sharp oblique italic nib on it. And I like to huh. use it just to practice, um, you know, more calligraphic writing. Um, I, I'm really trying to get more into that part of the world. So, um, so that's what I really enjoy uh, right now. Uh, otherwise, I enjoy me some, you know, extra needlepoint flex nibs. Um, again, that's really to get me into that world of of calligraphy. I'm still pretty rubbish at it, um, <laughs> but well, at, yeah, at let least me just, those are let tools. Me... Let me prop you up on your calligraphy real quick. So a lot of times, like if CY and I were were out to dinner with a bunch of friends and, you know, as a lo lot of times in at these pen shows, people will pass around their notebooks just to like, hey, can you sign my notebook or just like write a note, and, you know, to say like we're at the pen show and like this is my little diary from the pen show. Can you add something to it? So I would be just like, hey, it was great meeting you at the pen show and my little handwriting. And then I'd hand it over to CY and then like 30 minutes later, it would come back and he's got this like whole calligraphic uh you know writing <laughs> you know just dunking on everyone who's written next to him in the notebook with this whole beautiful little piece over there so yeah good job you you are definitely practicing it and putting it to good use so i i i got a kick out of that it's really something that i think has a lot of potential and mm -hmm. um, i'm actually going to try to do well it would be last weekend already for uh, for the listeners, but I'm going to try to put out a little instructable, um, okay. a live instructable probably on Twitch uh, to show people how to use uh, flex nibs. I think there's a lot of mystique around flex nibs, but nobody knows how to use them somehow. Um, so I think, you know, just going through the theory, basics, stuff like that. But that that's something that I really like to use for myself as well. Um, and it's really something that's, I think, yeah, has a lot of potential for us. All right, so along the same lines, what outside of pens, like what inks and what stationary paper products do you find interesting, you know, maybe just that's in Japan that hasn't kind of, you know, caught on around the rest of the world yeah. or has started to come on? Like what, what are you seeing that interests you right now? And it doesn't even necessarily have to be like from a pen basis. Yeah, so personally, I really like uh, purple inks. Mm -hmm. um, I like desaturated inks desaturated inks uh, really show that color shifting um, chroma shading very well so I, I like I like those unfortunately all I use is blue because uh, that's what I use to test pens <laughs> but yeah that that's something that I really like I don't know if uh, if it's not caught on in in the US but um oh and you know what Th this I think is really cool 
uh, Weringal, um, they 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 make these inks that are themed after literature. So they have mm-hmm. like uh, Alice in Wonderland. Um, they have like um, uh, Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde. And their whole concept is you add stuff to the ink to change it. So I think they they came out with a uh, with uh, an Alice in Wonderland thing, mm-hmm. and and it was like becoming witch or something. And it's just one bottle of ink, and then four different types of shimmer. And depending on the shimmer that you add to it, you are a different type of witch. Nice. And that's I think really really cool. That interactive, that playfulness. With mm-hmm. uh, with the products, I think the Korean um, ink manufacturers are just superb, superb at it. I actually picked up um, the little added shimmer from Bungu Box in mm. San Francisco for one of their ink lineups, and they yeah. had like swabs of here's this ink with all of these different shimmers in it, and it's interesting to see like that that aspect. You know, like you're saying, like the the Korean ink makers really leaning into like the customization, the creativity. Yep. And that market is, is is really huge over there. Like we've talked, like I've listened to y'all talk about the glass nip, glass dip nip pens just mm-hmm. like blowing up over there uh, in the Japanese and Asian market in general, as opposed to like in the US where it's not necessarily a thing, but it's like a huge thing uh, right in, in your market. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I went to, to Marizen just uh, I think yesterday first day of the uh, autumn Marzen pen fair and glass pens are everywhere now like every mm. single row had a glass pen and that's just you know it, it's just where the, the market is and I think it's it's very fun and interactive and you know you can really collect a lot of those because they all look different Right. And honestly, it's quick and simple. Like in relation to a fountain pen, getting someone into like a $200 fountain pen with like extra mechanics and extra maintenance. And like, you know, we're used to that now. It's like not a big deal. Right. And once you get into it, it's like a non-issue to like clean a fountain pen or change an ink. But getting people into just, hey, here's this really, really simple way to express yourself. Like, I, I think it's fantastic. So, um... Brad, I'm going to send you a link on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'd like you to just click on that link. Let's do this. We're doing this live on the show. All right. We got it. That's a glass <laughs> pen. <laughs> so we will have this link in the show notes. We're going to keep this up. I am... Um transfixed at what is happening <laughs> on my screen i am look this is what we're going to do i'm not going to explain this on the show because it's unexplainable right so i will put this in the show in the show notes y'all make sure to go click on this link when when cy mentions this and i am um, wow there are no words to what's happening here so the level of artistry in these glass dip manufacturers um is outstanding like it's outrageous it's it's extraordinarily high tech for a simple uh <laughs> for a simple mechanism right like that's what's fascinating about this like this is this is simple stuff that artisans are making into like their their own creations it's it's beautiful so this leads perfectly and it's like how jealous should i be that i'm not literally surrounded by this stuff all the time like you you just casually 
dr- keep dropping. Yeah, I went over to Morazon and did this yesterday. I was like, come on, man. It's like, this is unfair. <laughs> this is unfair. Like, how jealous should I be? I, I, I think pretty jealous is the answer. Uh, or how broke would I be is probably the better question. Yeah, I, I think your, your wallet is probably pretty happy that you're not here. <laughs> um, I think that's really... You know the saying, um, distance makes the heart grow fonder? Yes, yeah. I think there's a little bit of of that. And I think, um, you know, at San Francisco, there's a huge kind of fever for Japanese products. I think the reason is because you can't get it every day, but it's just close enough that if you wait a while, you know, mm-hmm. you might be able to to just reach out your hand and, and aspire to it. Right, And I think, you know, we are obviously very lucky in many ways to have so much stationery around us. But I think you, if you are here, if Bradley Dowdy was born in Japan, mm-hmm. the pen addict wouldn't exist. Because yep. it would just be normal. It would just be normal. That goes back to our conversation at the beginning, right? Like, mm-hmm. you don't know it's different, right? It's just what you do. It's yep. what you have. And it's really cool. And, you know, that that distance that you mentioned, like, it's, you know, that's what gets my brain going. And it's like, oh, it's fascinating. But, like, if you lived in it every day, like, it would be the norm. And, like, I think there's a lot of value in that. So, yeah, that's really cool. Yeah. All right, CY. We're not going to let you go yet. Because I need to know, what does the future look like for you for Tokyo Station, for Tokyo Inklings, do you ever think about like, hey, I'm really enjoying this. I'm having fun being part of this community. What is next for you? Are we going into like really, really uh, mad scientist nib mode, nib Sith, if you will, or or what's kind of what are you what are you thinking about these days? Yeah, I've been doing this long enough to understand that it's not like a fad for me mm-hmm. um because sometimes you know you're really into something and then you're just like okay you know now it's time to back off but right i've been doing this every day for the last five years right something that i really i heard on a on a tiktok somewhere they say hey how do you how do you manage um getting burned out and of course you know there, there are periods of time where i just don't work and then there are other periods of time where i you know work the entire day but I saw this quote on, on TikTok and said, it says, how do you know you are ready to go pro at something? And this person on TikTok, they said, you can't get tired of shooting hoops in the local basketball court. You can't get burned out by shooting hoops in the local basketball court if you want to go pro. Because you're going to be shooting a lot more hoops, right? <laughs> <laughs> right. It's just the beginning. Yeah. So um, so in that way, I, I think I do a good job at regulating myself, at, um, mm-hmm. at working too much, but not too much to the point where I say, you know what, um, I've had enough of this. And, and, and people like that do exist, right? There are pen makers, there are nib makers who just push themselves too hard and and decided they they can go on. So I think I go to I do a good job at at regulating myself. I give myself several hours in the day 
specifically only to wind down and to rela- mm-hmm. relax and play video games. Uh, I, I work all the time, but I also, you know, dedicate parts of the day just to me where it doesn't belong to anybody else. Um, and yeah. I, I work when I want to uh, because I think that's when I make my best work. So so I've been doing this, you know, trying to balance work and life and then the main job for a while to to know that this is more than a fad. In the future, uh, I'm hoping that this will replace my day job and and really go into you know the the industry the the business of it Mm -hmm. i think i have a good base i have a good foundation uh because i already have customers Uh, i already have people who know me um i'm not going into this blind right uh but there there is still a lot of work there's a lot of capital that that needs to be considered Brad, you've made products, so so you mm-hmm. know um, the the scariest thing is inventory, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes, you know me very very well. Yeah. So um, I think there there needs to be a balance, and and I'm slowly working on getting there, and, and I'm very lucky to have a lot of people who who support me, who are willing to collaborate with me, um, who are willing to put money into me. Um, and I, I'm very grateful for that. The second part, I think, is uh, really about, you know, what about my activities? And I think in the future, I did five weeks this time. Mm-hmm. If I were mm-hmm. to go full time, I would probably do seven to eight weeks in the United States. Okay. Um, because the tickets are just extremely expensive. So um, it has to be worth it for me. I talked a little bit about the economics of um, of going to the pen shows this time. I actually lost money going. I, I mean, I, I you know, I earned a lot of money, but a lot of right. that is in the products that I invested maybe two years ago or three years ago. Brought them over, and then they sold, but they maybe a little bit less than covered my my flights. So right. maybe longer, uh, less intensity right more more stores um more retailers uh i i found that a lot of people who weren't able to go to shows but were able to go to the retailers really appreciated that you know was able to go around um to the different retailers and um and maybe do something in in like canada as well right um so that Mm -hmm. would be a good way kind of on my on my way home um lastly I think it's all about cutting deals with retailers. Um, you need the support of retailers if you want to survive, I think, in the business because you need a distribution channel yep. um, and, and you need people who... If you want to scale, you can't You can't be the one um, on the sales floor yourself 24-7. Um, right. And uh, the grinding stuff... That's that's me on the floor twenty four seven, right? I, I love doing the grinding stuff, but there's a there's a cap to how much money um, can be made just by grinding, right? Because there's physically um, a limited you know a number of hours in the day. Yes, so, that's math you can do pretty easily. Yeah, yeah. 
so so I I need to to create my own product. I need to diversify, and um, hopefully in five years I won't be the one that's doing every single grind. I'll do some of them, um, mm-hmm. but hopefully I'll be able to find somebody, maybe a high school student that I met in in Wagner, um, to to help me out, to join me in this business, and um, and I'm looking forward to building a business where the business belongs to employees. Um, I'm, I'm very interested in, in the organization building organization creating aspect of that. Mm -hmm. And I want to show people that there's money to be made here so that, uh, more people want to be in the business, um, raise the profile so that I don't get on an Uber and, you know, the, the driver says, what's a fountain pen? Right. Never heard of it. <laughs> yeah. So, so I think, you know, one step at a time, if I can only take one week in the U.S., uh, I'll just have to have my mother fly out to San Francisco, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> the, the trip there is just so much easier. Um, the trip yeah, out to sure. D.C. is like 14 hours and it's, it's a nightmare. To San Francisco, yeah. only eight hours. Yep. Yep. Well, I I love following your journey. Uh, you are definitely on on the right path. We are lucky to have you in our community and creating and sharing and entertaining us. And I'm lucky to have you in my life to call you a friend. And it was great to finally spend some time in person with you. And I know it won't be the last time. It won't be the last time you're on the show. It will not be uh, the last time we see each other in person. And I just, again, wanted to thank you so much for everything you do for all of us, really, not just me individually, but like literally uh, our community, the stationary community is better off for for having people like you in it. So thank you so much for for doing everything that you do. I really, really mean that. And thank you, Brad. Um, without the pen addict, uh, I think a lot of us pen centric content creators wouldn't exist so thank you 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 demonstrated that it is possible to do a podcast about pens <laughs> without looking at the products <laughs> <laughs> who knew who knew that the worst idea ever was actually pretty okay <laughs> all right we'll leave it there tell everywhere tell everyone where they can find you i'll have all these links in the show notes but just uh, give yourself a shout out everywhere you want to plug and we'll uh, make sure to include it sure so um my name is cy you can find me on my website at tokyostationpens.com on Instagram and TikTok at Tokyo Station Pens and on Twitter at Tokyo Station MNH. Uh, I'd also like to shout out um, my excellent podcast partner, Jacob. Uh, he's at Foodafan. He has a blog at foodafan.com, um, as well as the rest of the, the Tokyo crew, um, Quay at Mirai Cat and uh, Alyssa at Inky Rocks. Got it. Love it. And I'm Brad, uh, one of the hosts of the Pen Attic Podcast. You can Actually, find me. you're Bradley. I am Bradley. <laughs> Technically correct. Uh, I am Bradley Dowdy. <laughs> you can find me on Instagram and Twitch at Pen Addict. I'm on Twitter at Dowdyism, D-O-W-D-Y-I-S-M. And I'm online at penaddict.com. And until next time, say goodbye, CY. Goodbye, CY. <laughs>